Welcome to The Truth In His Heart. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today, I have the privilege of being in conversation with a founder and owner who started their business, A Friendly Bread, specializing in obsessible sourdough snacks out of their house in 2017, and they've grown since that time. Please welcome Lane Levine. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for, for making the time and, and coming on and before we get too deep, you know, I've done some research. I've, I've, I've done the uh, the dabbling and the, some might call it internet stalking. That's fine. Uh, done the dabbling. <laughs> and, and looking, Yeah. Done the dabbling and looking into the background. So could you share your story? Where'd you grow up? And um, and I have, a, I have another bullet point in there, but I at least want to start off there. Okay. Yeah. I'm Lane Levine. I grew up in Owings Mills, Maryland. So the suburbs up Northwest. I um, I never liked bread growing up. I also never liked cheese growing up or grilled cheese. So <laughs> figure that one out. <laughs> um, I was a really good student in school. I ended up going to Harvard for undergrad. And I went into college right before the recession when everybody told you you could get a degree in literally anything you wanted and you'd be fine when you came out. Yeah. So I got a degree in philosophy and it turned out not really to be true. I didn't have a lot of skills coming out out of that fancy school. Um, And so I didn't go, I didn't end up in any kind of like fancy high paying job coming out of college. I ended up working in the nonprofit sector for 12 years, Um, became a community organizer. I was involved in public health work and all that kind of stuff. Um, So, and then I found my way to bread as a side hobby that sure. turned into a business out of my house. I can certainly go into more about that if you like. No, I, um, I, I want to, um, and, and thank you for kind of teeing this one up. I wanted to at least append, and you can feel free to add anything else you want to add in this 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 kind of introductory portion here. But so reading, you know, not liking bread growing up, what were some of the <laughs> snacks you were into? What were you into growing up as a kid? One time for Hanukkah, I asked my grandmother for a life, lifetime supply of sesame Melba rounds. Wow. <laughs> Well, wow. yeah, it's um, it's just I guess it's I had an old soul. And <laughs> Can I get some Werther's originals as well? <laughs> yeah. um, but also we were I grew up in the 90s when everybody was afraid of fat. And so we were a Snackwell's household. So we had all the Snackwell's cookies and low fat pop tarts. I wouldn't say I like them, but that was what I grew up with. I, I do like those. Uh, what is it? The vanilla Snackwell's. Those those are clutch. Like the sandwich cookies, clutch. Always clutch. Look, maybe, but they're nothing compared to Oreos. You know, this this is true, and it reminds <laughs> me of a Gary Goldman joke I might share with you after this. <laughs> I think I think you'll appreciate it. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I remember growing up. We we um we we had a little bit of everything. We didn't have a lot of money, obviously, but we had a little bit of everything. And growing up in the uh, late eighties, early nineties. I just remember I was a bigger kid. So it's like, yeah, hey, have these rice cakes. I was like, you know, these are pretty oh, good, actually. I'm sorry. But I liked them. That was the thing. They, they, <laughs> they had like the, the white cheddar, like rice cakes. It was more than just these hockey pucks and coasters. I was like, these oh. are delicious. Okay. You found a rice cake hack. Yes, absolutely. 100%. So you, you mentioned um, that you started what would now be your, your, your company, right? Your business, um, like out of your house as a side project, side hobby or what have you. So, so tell us about it. What was the thinking that went into it and how did it come about ultimately? I started making bread about a decade or more ago. I um, 
was living out in Northern California with my husband and it was kind of remote and isolated, but there was a wonderful bakery that made the best challah that I had ever had. Even though I grew up Jewish, I like, I had to go out there to get the best challah. And uh, one weekend, one Friday night for Sabbath, when I went to order it, I realized that it was Christmas Eve and they were closed because they were not an exclusively Jewish business. And so it was that day that I taught myself how to make challah. And I found that when I make the bread myself, you know, you bring it right out of the oven, it's hot and crispy. You can't not like that. And so (laughs) I began to like bread when I made it. And then uh, later on, when I moved to Baltimore, which I moved back to Baltimore, um, I learned how to make sourdough. And you probably heard about, you know, everybody making sourdough during the pandemic. And the reason that, (laughs) yeah, the reason everybody was making sourdough during the pandemic was because it's not a normal kind of bread. It brings a certain amount of challenge with it. And so it was, um, and that was true for me too, which was before the pandemic. It was just that it's it's a challenge project. It's a it's a skill to learn and it's something to fail at and to and to get better at. And also I just myself love sourdough because um it it uh um accomplishes the things that other bread were falling short on, which is that it doesn't get soggy, it's chewy and crusty. And uh and so it appealed to me um because of the qualities of it and because of the challenge of it. And so I ultimately would start making a whole bunch of it and bringing the extra into work and uh, on Monday morning. And my boss started telling me, stop bringing this to me for free. Like I'll pay you for this. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that story becomes a, a long story of starting to sell it out of my house on the weekends. Uh, but ultimately uh, when I finally decided that nonprofit work with the promises of changing the world, it just was not delivering in the way I felt that it should and the way that we were telling funders. Um, I was really frustrated with my ability to have a real um, tangible impact in the world. And so at that same time, I was making a tangible product that I decided, all right, let's just do this. Let's sell this real thing that someone can put in their hands and have on their dinner table tonight. And I can feel Maybe I'm not changing the world, but I'm at least tangibly connected to the people that I'm selling my my service or product to. Thank you, thank you for sharing that. Um, like I I love sourdough actually, and <laughs> you know whenever I like it's rare. I don't, I don't really buy, buy bread too often, but in those instances where I, I do buy bread, uh, it, it, it's usually a, a sourdough. Something to your point, like it has <laughs> that crust to it. It has that. I'm going to dip this in olive oil. I'm going to do something yes. with it. It, it has <laughs> so many different things I can do with it. And I, I like, I like bread with character. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think, I think that's a bread that has character. It does. You're right. Yeah. You, you picked up on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for the listeners, what should they know? Like if you were to do that, that kind of pitch like this, this kind of advertisement almost type pitch, what should, what should the listeners and me as, as well know about a friendly bread? Um, well, a few things, one going off of the product, we make all of our products by hand from scratch, you know, sourdough is known as having this natural, uh, culture of, um, of wild yeast as opposed to commercial yeast. And so that's something that, um, that provides a a great quality to it. So first of all, our, our products is, is excellent. 
Um, second of all, we're an LGBT owned business. I'm, I'm gay and we have a LGBT certification. Um, what that means is not only that it's, you know, considered a form of minority business, but also that we're adding a little extra layer of thoughtfulness into how we interact as a staff and how we go out into the world. Um, and also connected to that is that my number one priority in when we have success as a business is to, is to grow my commitment to my employees. Um, so I have committed by the end of 2023 to bring our production wage up to $25 an hour for all of our production staff. Um, you know, it's not that I've committed, you know, once we reach a certain milestone to buy myself a yacht, it's that, uh, you know, when we reach those milestones, I pump it back into creating a better employee experience, um, adding vacation time, adding, you know, other benefits. Uh, so that's a really strong aspect of the business that comes from my community organizing background. I used to be involved in labor activism. So I, I just saw the importance of that and, and also just the importance of that for building a strong business. Yeah. Um, and I think the other thing, and this just sounds maybe a little simple, but um, we're friendly, it's in our name, and we're nice. Uh, and that extends to how we do business, how we interact with the world. Um, we leave all of our interactions better than we found them. And it's, um, it's a pleasure to do business with us, I would say. <laughs> that, that's, that's really great. And I, I think that that's one of those big things as, as, as far as just many of the things that you touched on, but definitely with this focus on you know, being friendly, having a, having a notion on being a part of the community, being a neighbor in many respects and, you know, doing right by the people who are working with you to help you build out this, this brand and this business. Cause you know, you're seeing all of these things right now, quiet quitting and labor force yeah. shortage and all of that. And that, you know, you start looking at the, the reasoning behind why people are like, I'm out it's not always money. It's a multitude of things. Money is towards the top and inflation, I'm sure has a lot to do with it. Yeah. But, you know, there have been, I can speak for my own position that there was a, you know, a six figure job last year that I turned down because I was like, I don't know. I don't know about this. I don't know if this oh. is going to work for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was like, I can kind of stay at a lower rate and kind of be around the people that I like, that treat me well, that respect me. These mm -hmm. are things, these are considerations that, I think people are making more than just chasing the dollar. Rob, I, I, I don't know if this is going to come off as bragging, but whenever any, all the other businesses around me are talking about how hard it is to hire these days, I just don't share that experience. Like I have been doing fine hiring and that, yeah, I think it's because of that. <laughs> so, so, so for the people in the back, uh, you know, who are getting it, could you, could you share like, <laughs> You know, what's your thoughts on, on why that is such a such a great thing? And it's definitely duplicative. But why is that such an important thing in terms of creating this environment and has this this buy in? It gives folks get in the game. Could you could you share that with us? The the work that we do, because it's sourdough and it takes some um, it takes some complexity. I can't have um, a staff that's rotating. I need people to be trained well um, and to have spent a good amount of time with this product in order to be able to make it. And so I can't afford for people uh, to keep being new at this. I need them to feel um, like they wanna stay. That's one thing. Another thing is that 
if I have an ongoing good relationship with my staff, it makes it so much easier to um, have to say hard things to them. We have we were working on a really big order this week, our biggest order for one of our our other product, the sourdough toast, which is a gourmet cracker. And um, the staff love each other. They're talking all the time. And I love that. But they were going a little slow. And I know because I have done the work and know the like rates of speed that we can do this work. Um, I knew that that we were able to go faster. And because we have a good relationship and because I they I bring them in on weekly staff meetings and they know what's going on. They know what goals we're trying to hit. It was very easily able to go to them and say, hi, staff that I love and that you love me. I need you to put your foot on the gas pedal a little bit for the next two days. And this is why. And it wasn't a problem. There wasn't resentment. There wasn't grumbling. It just, you bring everybody along. And so you get the work done better is ultimately what happens. Yeah, that's that's important. And I think that often we lose that. We lose that sort of communication thing where we want to be, uh, um, and, and I'm saying this from positions I've been in, we want to be mm-hmm. vague, we want to leave out details, and no one's dumb, you know what I mean? And it's just uh-huh. like, <laughs> like lo- let us know what's going on here. Yeah. Um, it's, I, and, and then it's this, this weird thing where the is and, and again goes back to the thing I was touching on. It's not always money. It's always it's it's like it's yeah. a, the, what's the environment? And I've been in spots where it's like, okay, you know, we got a tight deadline. Let's let's do it. But then you know, my my thing is, what are the resources that we have? How mm-hmm. how are we going about it, or what have you? And that speaks to they weren't as, as transparent. You know, whereas opposite yeah. of what you were describing of this is what we need. This is what I need from you guys. You know can we just improve this effort here and kind of get, get this sorted out that that is completely justified, completely right. I think that's the way that that's handled versus hurry up or your job's on the line. It's like, yeah, (laughs) how's how's that work? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then, and then if, if that's handled well, you can come back together and congratulate each other without resentment for having (laughs) finished that job and, you know, and be intact when you, when you're done. 100%. 100%. So I, I touched on it earlier when we got started about how the, the growth has happened or what have you, um, you know, from farmer's markets to this milkman style bread delivery <laughs> service, and then, you know, small grocers and, and farm stores. What philosophies, hint, uh, uh, to, to business have you carried from like those early experiences to now, like when it comes to maybe supply chain, when it comes to maybe collaboration or who you want to work with in terms of bringing your, your product there? Tell, tell me about that. I really like this question. Thank you. Um, so <laughs> I, when I used to do farmer's markets, farmer's markets are a real slog. I'm, I'm not the kind of person that enjoys it. It's, it's, too strenuous for me and I was happy to get out of it. Um, but, you know, and I, I did it, I did it, you know, um, with dedication. Um, but one of the things that I, that, uh, I remember a lot is that someone would come up to my table and ask a question that seemed either like stupid or offensive. And, and I think maybe because I was tired or maybe because I was in my own head, I would think, man, what a stupid or mean person. Mm-hmm. And then they'd be standing at the farmer's market stand. And then some friend like in the neighborhood would come and be like, oh, my God, Dr. So-and-so. And it <laughs> turned out this person is like an accomplished anesthesiologist. Like they're, they're not stupid, right? They're not stupid. They're not mean. Yeah. 
Right. And what I learned from that is that people that are not you do not spend their whole day, their whole week thinking about the things that you think about. And so if they ask a question that seems out of left field or that you're like, oh my gosh, how could you not know that? It's just because they're not you. They don't, you know, they're not steeped in that all day long. And I, and so it brought me a lot of compassion and it made, it made me able to be nice to everyone because I just realized, oh, this person did not think about my product when they woke up this morning and as they should not have, like, why would they have? <laughs> I got bread in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, well, you didn't do your reading before you came up to my, st- you know? And so I've been able to take that through because when I approach, let's say, um, a large grocer that I want to take my product, I'm very easily able to remember, okay, this grocer's job is to keep in their brain, 3000 different products that they're carrying in their store. If they're, um, if they are dismissive to me or they don't respond to me, or maybe they're a little short with me, um, that probably most likely has nothing to do with me. They may even actually want to work with me, but it's not their job all day to think about me. Um, and so I, and so like going from that anesthesiologist to, you know, the CEO of Whole Foods, right? Like that's going to be the same thing that you have to remember. Um, and like, and mostly everybody wants to have positive interactions with each other. Everyone wants to be loved. Uh, and so if you can remember that going into any interaction, um, I, I, that has always been really helpful to me. Um, I, I have a few other things I was thinking about. Please, <laughs> please. Go ahead. Um, so I think, um, Oh, what was it? Um, oh, just, I mean, going along with that, I think sincerity, diligence, and patience, they carry through on all levels. Like um, you, you showing up does not mean that you deserve the business, but if you don't show up, you don't get the business. Um, and so it's, it, you know, it's always that. Um, and the last thing I want to say is I've, I've learned to stop giving my money to consultants who convinced me that they know more than me because usually I, they don't. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and that was, you know, very early on, you know, there are people that are like, I can show you how to do this, this, and this. And, and now people who want a lot more money and it's like that very, very seldom can they actually deliver more than me who spends all day thinking right. about my own product. Yeah. That, that I, I, I love, I love all of that. I, I think definitely that that the statement on compassion and around the uh, and grace, I suppose, um, that the the world uh, and everyone else's world doesn't revolve around us. And I think the sooner we yeah. remember that and, you know, sometimes it's like I, I try to ride off of uh, ambition and persistence. You know, that's the thing that I do. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't care if I have to email you multiple times, but, you know, let's let's yeah. figure out this this situation or even on that, that that sort of like other side there where you, and, and I'm, I feel like I'm losing a the thought there, but we'll go back to the last thing that you touched on. The consultants thing? Yes. So that's, that's the thing that I've noticed as well. And I like that you touched on it where it's like, I know what my business is. I know what I'm doing here because I have people who this isn't their lane. This isn't the thing that they're doing. Like, I don't know. I know what it tastes like. I know it's delicious, but, uh, you know, I can't tell you like what your business is. So 
oftentimes people will throw out an idea of, hey, maybe you should do this as video purely, or maybe you should do it in this way. And I was like, I've, you may know this lane to a degree, but I know yeah. what I'm doing specifically and I'm really yeah. embedded and entrenched in it. So making that classification and that distinction is important. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah. Like if you had, if you put all of your energy into acting on every suggestion you got, you know, you would, you'd run yourself into the ground, you would have no focus and you'd probably lose a lot of money because you're paying people for advice that you know, <laughs> that didn't yeah. help you, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm reading this book right now. Um, that it's a curriculum for this creative group I'm with and they talk about archetypes in it and it's uh, associated with brands, associated with people, people and brands, I guess, if they're in a public sphere. Yeah. And it's like, if you're doing too many things, it's like, what is your archetype and let them align yourself with your archetype and follow that mm. in everything that you do when it comes to business decisions, when it comes to branding, marketing, and so on. But to your to that point of when you're bringing in consultants, it may be more than one. It's like, all right, what are you doing? What do you think the brand mm. is? Yeah. Um, I'll have to get that book name from you, please. I, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Tell, tell us about some of the lessons that you've you've learned um, just in, in, in terms of like business or what have you. And, and maybe this is a, a rehash, but in terms of business, did you like, I've really learned how to do QuickBooks. So like, tell, mm. tell me about some of that stuff. What kind of skills did you pick up and what were some of those challenges you encountered along the way? And were they easy or smooth in retrospect? Um, I mean, th the headline for that is that it's not been easy. You know, it's, uh, and, and, I, and I always like, I always feel a little bad saying that because without the privilege of like family support, family money support and all that, like it would have been like a hundred times harder. And yet it has been very, very hard. <laughs> um, so all that in mind, um, I have, and I think like what's specifically what's hard about it is that it's psychically hard. Um, it's really hard on your emotions. Um, there's a lot of fear and uncertainty involved. Um, you know, the fear of ending up in just unimaginable debt, um, mainly, yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, I, because we've grown relatively slowly, uh, or real incrementally, uh, I've been able to learn operations of my own business very thoroughly. Right. I've known uh, because I got to learn how to myself make bread and how to, you know, get a day's done, a day's worth of orders done to then a week's worth of, you know, orders to now a three week lead time of four pallets of frozen grilled cheese. Um, we, you know, we've been able to do it incrementally enough that none of those steps has been that hard to, uh, to learn. Um, but if I had had to learn from zero to the four pallets of grilled cheese, that could have been really tough. Um, <laughs> um, I've learned a lot of sales, you know, um, techniques. I've learned how to pitch my products. I've learned how to do pitches, um, uh, which, you know, I used to think, cause I used to be a nonprofit. So I kind of thought all, all like salesy thing were evil, but I, I get it now. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I've also, I've also learned how to end things when it's time to end them. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we did fresh bread. We did home delivery. We don't do that stuff anymore. We do packaged products that we sell through distributors. We'll eventually cut um, our sourdough toasts, the gourmet crackers, because it's not financially efficient. 
Um, and I think when I was in nonprofit work, you know, if there was some funder that was like, oh, we'll keep paying you to do this thing, you just keep doing it. Whereas with this, it's like, you have to stop the thing that is, is draining you or is causing resentment. Um, and so I've learned to stop things when they need to be stopped. Um, and finally, I've learned to stay calm. Like I used to let things get to me so much. I had so much dread about everything. And now I just realized, all right, this problem that I'm having, I'm sure that someone has had this problem before 10 times the size and it's going to be totally fine. It's just bread. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have to, you have to tell yourself that all the time. Uh, I think, you know, one of the things that I think, um, our demo gets is you're, you're, you're doing something, you're, you're taking, you're, you're, you're pretty much taking that risk, whether it is to create, whether it is to be in business and it's dread at times. It's like, ah, did I, did I turn the microphones off? Did I leave my equipment? Did I forget the card? Did I send it? Did I put this episode out and it was stupid? You know, things of that nature, <laughs> they're, they're considerations. And yeah. And people have encountered it before. And then I always look at, where that stretch has been at, right? Where mm-hmm. from from when this was the biggest issue that I've ever faced, where mm-hmm. am I now? Yes. Yeah. And and I and I look at these other sort of things, uh, but I do this on, on uh I do this on purpose, but I try to add um different degrees of difficulty to the work. So mm-hmm. I have a little bit of like anxiety there. But I know <laughs> I can get past it because if everything is smooth, then when something inevitably goes bad, you're not prepared for it. But I think if you're not you ready. Yeah. Little things that make you think, little puzzle pieces like, how am I going to record this with no audio, hmm, no microphone? How am I going to get this audio? And I figure <laughs> out ways to get my stuff done. And I think that's it, it's just creative problem solving. That's that's the way that I look at it. You're creating drills for yourself along the way. Always, always, <laughs> always. Uh, so this is the last real question I got for you before I get to these rapid fire questions. Um, and this, this is a little bit of a two part here. Um, what would you say is the most interesting trait about the food culture in Baltimore? Cause you're part of that culture, you know? Mm-hmm. And secondly, um, what's, what's the future hold, um, for a friendly bread? I, I was thinking of two interesting traits of food culture in Baltimore, one that's positive and one that's negative. Um, the positive is just from my own experience. Um, it's a city that's, um, it's the, just the right size to try to get something started. Um, meaning that if it was a really, really small town, you would never, like, if you're trying to start something new, you might not get to enough customers to really like legitimize a business idea. Um, and if it's a really big city, um, you can get drowned just by the existing competition. Um, and so I was able to, um, you know, anybody could start something anywhere theoretically, but I was able to crawl before walking and running. Whereas maybe in a big city, I would, I would have had to be like, must borrow a million dollars or else I can't do anything. Whereas here, like I could, you know, I could start something. Um, and the negative thing that this is, this was the, really the first thing that I thought when I saw this question, um, which is that, um, things go away just like in the, like a puff of smoke. Um, people always say the phrase, Oh, I it's, I'm so sad that place is closing. I never went there, but it's sad that they're closing and people like, for some reason it find it hard to support, um, new ideas. Um, and then it's also baffling when there are great things out there and they just go away. Like, I don't know if you know, Waffy, they were this awesome waffle and ice cream place and poof, they went away two months ago. Like, 
Yeah. It, yeah. You know, and so it's hard uh, to see that happen. <laughs> I had I had a uh, I had a signature waffle at Waffy. I had the Rob Lee waffle there. It was a creme brulee. Really? Waffle. Yeah. What did it have on it? It was a creme brulee. Um, so it was uh, uh no, sorry, sorry, not creme brulee. Bananas fostered. That's what it was. And uh, yeah, had the um, I think it was like a maple whipped cream and all of that mm. good stuff. It was um, that's one of the things I, I try to do at times. If I can, you know, use whatever space I have. People seem to listen to this podcast and. If I can use that to bring eyes and ears to someone through some type of collaborative partnership, like yeah, I drink a lot of coffee. I like this. I like that. Let's align in some way or let's do ads. And, you know, early on when I started doing it, um, because you're right, I absolutely see that, that yeah. places just are kind of gone. And, you know, I'll be in conversation with people and sometimes people don't have the vision. Sometimes it is the business owner. Sometimes it's the people who should be supported in a more substantive yeah. way. And, you know, I, I think that's just kind of what that is. And that's, that yeah. is a trait I've seen here in multiple respects. Cause when you see something close, you're like, I hope it comes back. I hope it comes yeah. back to the online store or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I will say about, so, and your other question about what's next and collaborations and all that, you know, I, um, collaboration for me is, a high bar because if I'm, I make a packaged product. And so if I were to make like a, you know, a special grilled cheese flavor, I'd have to shell out $10,000 for the packaging for it to be worth it to put out there. So I don't really, I don't really collaborate on products. Um, but I really, um, I would say I put a lot of my collaborative energy into the retailers that we work with. So, you know, it's been so helpful to have the small grocers, um, in town, like Eddie's and Growls and Rooftop Hot that you had mentioned before we got on. Um, and then there's a place out in the county called Farm Chicks Corner Market. Those are the places that take bets on you. And um, and the more energy you put into working with them, the more they bring their own customer base closer to you uh, and help you prove your concept. And so, um, you know, we send, uh, you know, some people to do tastings at those stores all the time, all the time. Um, and, and so those are the kinds of collaborations that really help us and make those stores feel loved and, you know, that, like they want to keep working together. Um, so, yeah. and then future for us. So we're, uh, we're working on getting these grilled cheeses in big accounts. Um, we launched in the fresh market, which we have some locally, but it's, there's 160 uh, fresh market locations throughout 22 States. Um, and so we're in all those locations and that was our, that's our first really big win. Yes. Um, we're trying to work with Giant and Whole Foods and Wegmans and uh, ShopRite and some, I can't say specifically, but some of those are going forward. So that's like really, really awesome. Um, and then after that, more flavors of grilled cheese. We'll move on to frozen uh, sourdough French toast after that um, and just uh, keep innovating with those kinds of things, but trying to get into big, big grocery stores. Ah, French toast. Don't threaten me with a good time. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so with that, it's it's great. It's great to hear that all of these these great things are um, are on the uh, precipice. They're coming soon. So that's that's really good. Um, because uh, I might have some grilled cheese questions for you later in this. Uh, <laughs> actually, coming up right now in these uh, rapid fire questions. Right. <laughs> so um, as I tell everyone, don't overthink them. Don't overthink them. They're goofy <laughs> questions. They're fine. They're fine. All right. Uh, and, we, and brevity is key here. Uh, what was your nickname when you were younger? Laney Pooh. Your preferred mode of demonstrating appreciation. Are you a snap, 
clap or whistle person. <laughs> I thought a little like bit one. of a shout or like a giggle like I just did. Okay. I thought, <laughs> I thought you'd appreciate that one. <laughs> I just do like this the whole time. Yes, more. <laughs> um, all right. This is this this is where it's this is where the money is made. This question. Uh crunchy or creamy peanut butter? Which one? Crunchy, definitely. You get it. You get it. You're you're, you're smart about it. Uh, what is your current phone background? Oh, um, my uh, two of my chickens. We had chickens in our backyard. They all died, but they are dear parts of our life. Okay. <laughs> you got you to show some love to your, to your, to your chicks. Uh, lastly, because, um, you know, I, I heard a little bit earlier. And was, what is your grilled cheese philosophy? Like, what sort of like... Like, you know, ultimately, I'm trying to get to the cheese. What sort of cheese pairs well outside of like maybe a cheddar? I like a good cheddar. What cheese mm-hmm. pairs well? Like what kind of butter? What temperature are we talking? Get into the granularity <laughs> of a grilled cheese. What's your grilled <laughs> cheese philosophy? Well, like, here's the answer that I have to give, which is that um, everyone's, <laughs> everyone is missing the importance of the bread in grilled cheese. So if you have really good sourdough, and all kinds of different flavors, because I haven't talked to you about the different flavors of grilled cheese that we're putting out there, um, such as cinnamon raisin with brie. Um, yeah, so if you have a great sourdough, you it's like a magic lever that people didn't know you could pull, and you pull that, and your grilled cheese goes to the next level. Um, but since you're wondering, we... <laughs> We, you know, everybody needs it to be a cheese pull, like a stringy, you know, when you pull them apart. And so we, um, no matter what cheese we pair with the bread, there's always uh, some of some low moisture mozzarella to help um, round out that cheesy factor, uh, the the stringy factor. So I think that having a mozzarella at the base is important. I'm still stuck on the uh, cinnamon raisin and brie. Wow. Uh, Look, (laughs) look. uh, at the, wow, that's that sounds yeah, great. Yeah, we got you. Yeah, I'm here for it. Um, because that, that's that's a flavor combination. I, I started telling people, it's like, come on, man, let's get Brie in the game. Huh? Uh, yeah. Is uh, so with that, um, one, I want to thank you for coming onto this podcast. This has been an honor, um, a pleasure. And two, I want to invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks, the listeners, where to check out a friendly bread and all of that good stuff. Website, social media, the floor is yours. Okay, thanks. Well, our website is afriendlybread.com. Um, we're on Instagram and Facebook, A Friendly Bread. And like I said, you can find us at the um, the grocery stores that we're in. So you can find the sourdough grilled cheese in Eddie's, Grawls, and then the Fresh Market, and then um, some of the other local stores like Rooftop Hot, Farm Tricks Corner Market. And then we also have this other product that I mentioned called Sourdough Toast, which is a gourmet cracker. You can find that in Whole Foods in 35 locations in their specialty cheese department, as well as Mom's and a bunch of wineries. If you go to those wineries in Maryland, they serve our sourdough toasts. So um, there's lots of opportunities to try some friendly bread. So there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Lane Levine from a Futa, from a friendly bread. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there is food uh, business in and around your neck of the woods. You just got to look for it. <laughs> <laughs>